Welcome to the latest Architect podcast. On today's show, I'm joined by Rob Fulop, the Atari legend. He worked on some amazing classics, such as Missile Command, Demon Attack, Space Invaders. He then went on to work on the infamous and incredible Night Trap and Sewer Shark on the Mega CD. He also shares some amazing stories about his work in the gaming industry, loads of great anecdotes. So sit back and enjoy a top interview with a true retro gaming legend. Welcome to Arcade Attack. A retro gaming podcast for up to four players. Sonic Boom! Phoenix Sonic Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to the latest Arcade Attack podcast. I've got another industry legend on today's show. A real man that's worked in some, you know, incredible games. Really has had a huge impact in in so many genres. Rob Fulop, it's an, it's really is an honour to get you on the show. Thank you so much for coming on today. No, it's great to be here. Thank you. Um, look, Rob, you you've been there, done it, worn the t-shirt. You you you're you know <laughs> influencing on the gaming industry is incredible. I'd I'd like to start at the beginning though. Do you do you remember how you first got your opportunity to enter? the video game industry, and even the first game you ever worked on? Well, it was, um, I was at Cal, I was at, in college, and I was meeting a friend of mine, and he was late. And this is back before there were cell phones, and you just had to be there when you said you were going to be there. Yeah. Uh, and he, he wasn't there, and I, I wandered down. Uh, we were, we were going to meet right in front of the job center, the job, the job, the job center in Cal, the, the, the career center. Which is not a place I ever really went, uh, but I had nothing to do. I was waiting for my friend, and I wandered in, and there was a sign on the wall that they had just put up that said, "We need a sound effects. Uh, we need someone at Atari to do sound effects." And that that was really it. I happened to walk in ten minutes after they put up the sign, and I call. I, it was the summer of my junior year. It was approaching the summer of my junior year. I had nothing lined up, and I called them. And I talked to a gentleman named Steve Calfee, and he told me to come in. That was basically nice. my, that was my big break. Nice. Um, I mean, have, had you have heard of Atari before this? Were you aware I, of it? Yeah, I mean, at the arcade, I at the bowling alley, I'd seen the the pong game and the the breakout game, and they were both really fascinating to me. And I loved games. I was I always loved games. Uh, is the first thing I ever did on a computer was in high school. I were I did a game. And that was just what I thought computers were for. And it seemed like a, a very natural fit for me. It was just just like, you know, just was the, the stars lined up that one day. Brilliant. And you said you once you entered in the uh, sound effects. Uh, was that your first job at Atari then, making sound yeah, effects? They, they, yeah, they, they made pinball machines. And they had a, a new pinball machine they were going to bring out called Superman. And they, they needed a sound effects editor, a way for people to sit down and 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 author sound effects, and that was what I made for them over the summer. It was all sixty five hundred two assembly, and I had no idea what I was doing. <laughs> and that was how I met the whole uh, coin operated games crew. Amazing. I mean, how long did it take you to move from the pinball era, which you know, you know, people sometimes forget Atari was huge, weren't they, with pinballs, until well, you moved on to sort of yeah, sort of. Atari 2600. So that was my summer job, working in the coin-op division, just working on sound effects, a sound effect editor. And then I, I got to know everyone. And the following year, when I graduated, 
uh, I went back to them and I said, can I work here? And they, they didn't happen to have a place available in Coinop. So Steve Kelsey said, why don't you go talk to the guy upstairs who was doing the, the consumer division. It was just upstairs. And I wandered upstairs and talked to them. And they were, they said, yeah, come on in. Because I, you know, I, I had, they liked me in the Coinop group. But they just had no, they had no open requisitions. So that was basically how it happened. Yeah. So what was the first uh, console game you worked on? Do you remember? Well, I, I worked, I, the first thing I made that was published was a Night Trap. No, oh. not, not Night Trap. Night Driver, sorry. Night Driver, yeah, yeah, yeah. Night Driver, and that was basically, uh, since I didn't know anyone there, uh, I, had no, I had no one to have lunch with, and I would spend my lunches at the Atari Game Room, which was this, this place where they had all the coin-op games. And I just played the coin-op games and tried to figure out what game I should make for the VCS. Because uh, they didn't give me any instructions. They just said, oh, go, go make a game. That was basically what they told me. And that's what people did. I just didn't know what to do. I wandered around, played these the coin-op games until I found Night Driver. And I said, oh, I could do Night Driver. That would probably work. And I started working on it, and I couldn't get it to work. And then I talked to uh, a guy named Larry Kaplan, another an older programmer there who had experience, who had tried to make Night Driver work a couple of years before, and he gave me his old code and said, "Here, maybe this, maybe you can make something out of this." Mm. But I don't think it will work. And so I kind of I basically just hacked on it until it worked, and then that was that was Night Driver. Uh, really? I, I, I really didn't. They, they really gave you no instructions on how to make a game or how to use the VCS. It was a very you know, it was there. There was no, you know, new new programmer introduction. It was just they threw you right into it. And you know, nine months later, I had this game, Night Driver, and it worked, and people liked it. It was a, it was a copy of the of the coin-op game. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's in your text interview, you did actually say that you were given a lot of freedom. You you weren't given many instructions. You could do what you kind of wanted. Um, I know it's a bit of an overview question, but do you think that's a good or bad thing for your experience at Atari overall? Well, at the time, you got to understand, in, in, in 19, whatever it was, 1980, around there, yeah, around 1980, at yeah. that time, there was no PC industry. There was no, uh, you couldn't go work at Microsoft or Google, or there was, no, there was no internet. There was no, the only places to work as a computer programming graduate was you could work in the military. And there's a lot of stuff going on in the, you know, the big, the big computer space. And, you know, Singerlink, we do computer simulations and stuff like that, you know, pretend you're in a tank or we do outer space stuff. And with, with the, with the, you know, the, the uh, NASA, or you can w work at Bell Labs, which was back East. And they, they did all kinds of, you know, telephone stuff, Bell Labs or, or HP. Those, those are the places you can go work. There was, that was it. There was no, there was no computer industry. There's no IBM. There's no, there's no Apple. At the time, so there wasn't that many yeah. different things you could do. And I liked games and games. It was a small company, and it just felt like a, a good fit. What was Atari like back then? Because it's still got a big name today. It's not quite. Well, it's obviously not the force it used to be, but it's. Um, I mean, I've spoken to a lot of people that worked at Atari, and it's. It just sounds like a really interesting place to work how would you reflect on it did you really well, enjoy your time there or ideal place to work for a, for a 21 year old there was that mm. there was no i had no manager and i was allowed to come in to work basically when i wanted it's like <laughs> their, their, their basic 
rite of passage was if you could make a game, you stayed on you stayed on staff. They just threw you in. And everyone had their own game to make. And some people didn't do it. Some people didn't, couldn't deal with that much freedom, that much you know, lack of lack of uh, lack of discipline, and they didn't do it. So they kind of fell out. And then people that made games were all given opportunity to make another one. But I think it was a little bit too open. Mm. I mean, it was it was uh, it was just uh, you had to figure out your own way, and that was just how it was. Awesome. I, but but I, for, for me, it was great. I mean, I made great friends there. And you you know you can just come into work and they were your friends and you can make games and you 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 made the games in an open lab that was so your work was always available for other people to see it and you got constant feedback and you'd go to lunch and if nobody was playing your game when you came back it meant that no one liked it and right. if no one liked it then it wasn't gonna wasn't gonna be successful. What what sort of games were you playing at the time? You you said friends. Are you talking? Can you do you mind do you mind naming a few people well, you worked Howie, with? Howie, Howard Warshaw, Bob Pilaro, yeah. uh, those those guys. David Crane had left. You know the the people that the Activision they had started Atari and they were there when mm. I started, but they quickly left. Uh, so I became kind of the 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 new crew. And it was Howie, Carla Maninsky, with Bob Pilaro. You know we all just hung out all day. Yeah. Good stuff. Um, can we talk about Space Invaders? I mean, you how did you get the opportunity to work on that? Was your was that your decision again, or was so, it? Yeah, again, I, I finished Night Driver, and then I wanted to work on the PC on the on the, on the, the PC, the Atari eight hundred computer system. Yeah, which, which gave you more sprites and more memory, and you know more. It was more of a you know like a, like a real computer, and I and they had licensed Space Invaders, and I said, oh, I can make a Space Invaders. And so I started working on it, but I didn't want to copy the original Space Invaders because because I, I was 21. I thought I, I was I was an artiste. You know, I didn't. I, it was it was beneath me to go copy another game. So yeah. I made my own Space Invaders, and you know, and it was you know, it, no one gave me any feedback. No one told me that hey, we're paying you know millions for a license. Why don't you just people will want the original. Why don't you just make the original, Rob? Because yeah, you know, I was I was I didn't have anyone to listen to. I I, I literally didn't talk to anyone. I made the game, they, they, they brought it out, and at the very end, I went in to see one of the marketing guys, and he told me, he said, hey, Rob, why, did you, why didn't you copy just the original? That's what people want. Mm. If people just want, that's the game they know. They don't really care about your version. And I kind of was insulted, and then I thought about it, and, and he was right. You know what I mean? <laughs> I, don't know, I don't know why. I, so the next game I did, Missile Command, I decided, okay, I'm going to copy the original game as good as I can. But I could have yeah. I could have made Space Invaders a great copy of the original. I just decided not to. What was the big difference in case people don't know? Do you mind just turn down this? Oh, well, between? the difference is uh, well, you can see it on screen. I made the first characters that marched out with the one made the R and one made the F as they marched across the screen. I mean, it was it, it was really indulgent, and it was uh, it was it was quite amateurish. Uh, there was a big rocket ship on the left that came down the screen, and then they marched out of that. It looked different than the Space Invaders. It sounded different than Space Invaders. It played the same. Yeah. But it it, it just you know no one told me that the original was important. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you did. It did get criticism. It did get. Not everyone was happy about your pull, were they? I don't. No, right you think, so. I mean, oh, right yeah, so. no. So. You weren't upset. You weren't upset then. You felt you actually agreed in in the long run. Yeah. You know, I mean, at, at 21, 22, I really had no idea. They, mm. I, I didn't understand the marketing mentality i didn't understand the player mentality you know i, I really was clueless 
Yeah, but you're given freedom. Yeah, I get it. And I got criticism, and I said, "Oh yeah, they're right. You know, I should have made the original, made it look like <laughs> the original." And it would not have been hard to do that. And then, so, that, so when I did Missile Command, I really took it on to make it exact, as good a copy as I could. Mm. You and know what? I, I I love Missile Command. I think were you a fan of the original before you started working? Yeah, on it? yeah, yeah. So I had worked the year before. I said in Coin Op, right? And so because of that, I had the unique. Um, position there that I, I could go to the coin up group and just go down there at lunchtime and people would say, hey, Rob, and you know, I knew all the guys because there was a, the doors were locked and there was a real rift between coin up and, and, and consumer engineering departments. And the, the coin up guys felt that they made, they, they figured out the original games and, and we were just copycats. You know, we, we made smaller games on smaller systems and, you know, it's very hard to make a brand new original game on the Atari VCS. You know, that was why I just always chose to copy the games. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The guys that I mean, made original games like Howie, Howie did that, and and, and uh, it's hard, really hard to make up a game on the VCS. It was, it's basically impossible. Yeah, I get it. And that, Missile Commander, you said, so you, you tried to copy it straight from the arcade. I mean, did you ever work with the, I, I hope I pronounced yeah, his name. Yeah, Boyer, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I got to check. Yeah, I knew Dave, and he gave me he gave me the actual uh, algorithm for the smart bomb. You know, he showed me exactly how the smart bomb came down from the top, and you know, and he gave me that. And and he also gave me the the pattern of what how many waves there were and how many missiles come on every wave. And so he just showed me, you know, behind the scenes of the actual code to give me you know insight into really what how missile command really worked. So I could I could make a very good copy. That was just because he, he knew me and he liked me. There was no other reason, you know. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. He, was, he wasn't ever told to do that. Or, you know, I, but it was, no, all no. Driven, it was all driven by the criticism I received for Space Invaders. And I felt bad for not, not, not copying the original. Well, you know, I, I, can, I understand it in a way because you were given so much freedom. And like you said, you were quite young, you know, 20, like early 20s. Yeah, I get right. it. You shouldn't be too hard on yourself, you know. Um, yeah, David Fura, he he um, he uh, famously said he had like nightmares, didn't he, from from creating missile commands? Yeah, nightmares from missile command. Also, and and what was it called? Uh, 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 there was a three D missile command he made with 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 creatures that walked around. What was it called? It was a vector game. Oh, I can't remember what it's called now. Yeah, it was it was uh, it was the, the second game after Missile Command. It was that was more three D space invaders, mm. but it was the same kind of game. But yeah, he had yeah he had he had these monster monster dreams. But you didn't have any yourself, I was kidding. No, I, I didn't. I didn't know. Mm. Missile Command took nine months. I think it took almost a year. It was a it was a it was a big game for for the VCS. But it sold very well, didn't it? I think I believe. Correct me if I'm wrong. It was one of the biggest sellers for Atari at the time. It did still sell very well. So, that, yeah, I mean, not that you had to fix your reputation, but I guess that gave you. Uh, I don't know. After Space Invaders, I bet you felt pretty good. Is that fair then? Well, there was no reputation because nobody knew who I was. <laughs> the, Atari didn't put their new name on the game, so no one knew who I was. Uh, yeah, it made me feel better. Yeah. But they didn't really share. They didn't really share sales figures with us, so I didn't really know how oh. poorly, you know, you know, this space 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 sold well because 
people bought it because it said Space Invaders on it. Yeah, yeah. I've got to actually ask, look, because you, you said earlier, and you're right, Atari never put the credits for the people that made the games within the, the within the games. Um, and that did upset a few people. Did that did it upset you especially, or were you not too bothered? Well, it didn't upset me until we got our bonus check that year, the, the following year. And, you know, they, they really didn't recognize the... The, the the designers or the programmers at all they they really you know i got a i got a, a free turkey at safeway that was my that was my bonus and that was i remember opening the bonus packet the bonus envelope and it was like hey we're giving you a turkey and it was like wow they're really stupid because for five thousand dollars i would have been so happy at that age yeah if, yeah I, I thought that was a joke i read that about the turkey i thought that's quite, i can't be correct but yeah i have i have, I have it right here i have the, the, the certificate yeah Really? Yeah. I mean, that's crazy. <laughs> well, um, was, I guess I just realized, you know, it was stupid because I instantly decided at that moment that I'm going to leave Atari. That's they, they. They just gave you a nice turkey as a bonus. I mean, that's. I mean, I agree. That does seem a little bit. Well, they didn't, almost, they didn't, they didn't yeah. think the programmers really did anything. They didn't understand. They just thought these games were magical things that existed inside of. You know, people thought they were cassette tapes. No, they, they thought they were like videotapes they didn't know what they were they called them you know cassettes they were like yeah. cassette tapes. you know they, they didn't know what programming meant you know the executives just they just thought that we found these games on the ground hmm. i mean I, I, how about nolan bushnell i mean he he was the head of atari correct me if I'm wrong was he was he did he understand that well, how much work was, was going into he wasn't there when i started he was still there the yeah. year before but in that year between uh, my senior year of college when I first started working there, when I came back, uh, Warner Brothers had bought Atari. Of course, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, and Nolan was no longer there. So I knew him from the year before, but he, was, he wasn't like there every day walking around. I understand, yeah. Obviously, Warner Brothers are known for their films and, 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 and music, I guess. Yeah, that was their expertise, yeah. They had, they had visits every three months, and the Warner executives would come, and they had no idea, and they really had no idea what the development team did. Do you think they, yeah, do you think they should have learned more? Do you reckon it's partly on them? They should have taken time to really understand. Well, what's going I mean, this is how it works in these, uh, in these huge companies that take over another company. They send out their executives and, you know, for a day and they, they march around and do a, do a dog and pony presentation, but they don't really get into it. They just thought, I don't know what they thought because they didn't think that we were anywhere, anywhere like artists that make music or make movies. They just thought, it's a factory that makes games. We didn't really understand. Uh, fair enough. Before before we move on to your next, I think you were the second person to add an Easter egg within a game, uh, within, within a video game. Is that true? I, I actually did that in, in Space Invaders. I, I I made the characters march, and they made an R and an F. That yes. Was yes. War, Warren Robinette was the first guy who was a, a, a really clever programmer who had made Adventure, the game Adventure. Yeah, that was that was uh, that was the game featured in, in, in Ready Player One. You know the mm -hmm. movie. Yeah, so Warren had made the it came up with his name on it, and we thought, oh my god, how clever! And so we all started adding those into our games. And then, yeah, and then they I, I put one into Space Invaders as well. No, into and went into Missile Command. I, I made it. There was a way to get my initials up in Missile Command. And again, you, no one told you to do that. It was just your idea. I mean, no, it's, no, 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 yeah. They, they took it out, I think, as soon as they found out. Afterwards, they took that out. Oh, right. Really? Yeah. They took, I think the first couple million were made with my initials still there. And then 
it was just a little tiny patch of code that that checked if yeah that, that took out and put my initials on the screen. It was uh-huh. a, it was a, it was a very indulgent thing to do. I don't blame you, especially if you're not getting your credits on the game. Yeah. Why not try and slip it in? <laughs> you know. Yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we, um, also, we also yeah. realized that Easter eggs, the the, the the audience liked Easter eggs. They liked the little hidden things that they could find, and that became a whole industry, right? The whole cheat codes, right? Of course, it did. Yeah. Of course. Um, so you, you said you got your turkey certificate and for making missile command and you decided to leave can i ask a little bit more how you decided you know what was the next process in uh magic was next uh how did that come about i got got approached by my boss it was Mm. just so happy like but six four months later or so i was working on on another game and it never was released and what's that game quickly sorry rob before you go on you know what i kind of don't remember it because it never got, never was released. I never kept a, co- a copy. It was some kind of game that you were bombing from, from. Uh, it was like a three D perspective, and you were like dropping bombs on, right, a, on, yeah. a rota- on a rotating thing. But it, it never got released. I never finished it because Dennis, my boss, approached me one day and said, "Hey, we're leaving to do another company like Activision. Yeah, you know, just like Activision, we're gonna we're gonna need a couple programmers and a couple people from Mattel because we're gonna make games for Mattel and Atari." And there's a bunch of Atari guys doing it. There's like eight of us. Mm. You know, the manager, the marketing guy, Bill Grubb. And you want to you join us? And I, yeah, I figured, sure. You know, I, I didn't realize what I was really doing, but I realized it was time to go. To, it was time to leave. They were going to yeah, pay yeah. me. They were going to pay me a little bit more, and they were going to give me some stock, and they were going to put my name on the on the box. That was that was the big thing. They were going to say that the game was authored by me. Good. And rightly so. Um, actually, before we move on, can I ask, actually, in the Atari offices and, and the Atari, when you were working there, what, what was your view and, and the overview of Activision at the time? Was it, were they the enemy or did you respect them? Uh, or was uh, it- but, you know, again, I, I, I didn't have any business. I, didn't, I held no business grudge against them. They were, they were the senior guys when I started there. And they, and they left because they were really good and they, they wanted better compensation and they wouldn't be recognized. And so they left. And so they were kind of heroes. Yeah, their yeah. their work was really well respected. I mean, everything they everything they, those guys did, David Crane and Bob Whitehead, was really good. You know, we looked at their code all the time for you know for techniques of how to do stuff. So I, I thought they were really they were my heroes. Oh, good, and they probably inspired uh, Imagic to uh, to start as well. Is that fair? Right. A little bit, right. you know, yeah. Right. Right. Um, so you you joined this new company, and I you know was Demon Attack the first game that you were working on? Was that the first idea that popped up in your head? Yeah, so that summer, uh, we didn't have offices yet, so I was at home, and I remember playing a lot of Galaxians, which was, Galaxians was like the where Space Invaders evolved into, which was a, you remember Galaxians at all? It was, yeah, yeah, yeah. The guys would peel off, the little, the little characters would peel off and come, come fly down at you. And we just thought, I just thought that was cool. That was like an evolution. And those kind of games were still very popular. You know, they're basically, we call them death, death from above. That was what they were called. That was the genre, death from above. Things above you are trying to kill you. And because BCS games are all very vertical. There's always vertical, vertical lines. So I, I wanted to make a version of, of Galaxian, something like Galaxian on the, on the VCS. And I was, I really got into 
uh, making things move very well, very, you know, with fingertip control is what we called it. So we changed the way things move by letting you get more accuracy. And uh, so I wanted to make a game where it was like Space Invaders, where the characters peeled off and came down and attacked you. Mm. And I wanted to make lots and lots of levels. I wanted to, and I wanted the characters to change all the time. So there were seven levels and I think 12 types of monsters. So there was, that was 84 combinations of, of characters. And yeah, it was the first game that I did. And by, by the time we actually got offices, I had most of it done in my head. And you know, I had the, the design plan for most of it already done. So it took me about six months to make. And it's an incredible game. It was hugely well received. Um, I mean, arguably, would you say it's your biggest achievement in, in gaming? Would you, a lot of well, people no, still I mean, play it today. I wouldn't say that, but it was where I learned that uh, for creative people, you do your best work when you're really angry. You know, when oh. you're really angry, for, if you have something to prove, like yeah, yeah. Why, that's why the best songwriters always write a song about some girl that broke their heart or, you know, those are the, those are the really good songs, right? They're always, you know, things that really make, make the author emotional or angry. That's where, you know, pay out of pain comes good, good work, good creative work. Right. Mm -hmm. So I was in a lot of pain leaving guitar. They had really, they had really wronged me and I wanted to really show them. I wanted them to be really sorry. So that was, that was where I put my, a lot of my heart into that. And that, yeah. that 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 was the case many times in my life. That that was the uh, the impetus. It was anger or revenge or something, some emotional experience that created the the best work out of me. I mean, brilliant game, and it, people still love it today. And, and I'll, I'll ask you later, but there's loads of people that want to play a sequel, whether whether that can ever be done again. But uh, you were sued, weren't you? Atari sued your company and Demons Hat because they they said that it's very similar to their game Phoenix. I mean. I mean, that must have made you even more angry. Is that fair? Well, uh, there's Phoenix. I, no, I, no, actually, I copied Galaxians. I didn't copy Phoenix. But, <laughs> I mean, oh, yeah. whatever. But nobody knew what it meant to make a game. I remember that lawsuit. They were like, the, I was deposed. And the lawyer asked me, you know, so is it true, Mr. Phillip, that you go to arcades sometimes expressly because you want to find game ideas? And I said, yes, that's true. <laughs> you know, it's like, you're an author. Do you read other books? Yes, you do. If you listen to other music, you're, a, you're Taylor Swift. Do you hear other songs? Yes, I do. You know, it was just so ridiculous. But yeah, we were sued. It was it was it was, it was a hassle. It was just a lawsuit to hassle us. Yeah. It was it was it was it was not. It didn't go very far because I didn't, oh, copy, I didn't copy Phoenix. I mean, I, we all copied each other. I copied Galaxians, which copied Space Invaders, which you know. I, mean, mm. I get it, and. Um, Regarding Demon Attack, was there any elements of the gameplay that you or ideas that you you wanted to put in, or you changed your mind, or never? Yeah. Yeah, would you be able to share a few ideas? Well, I mean, what I wanted was to, I wanted to seem to be infinite demons. I wanted it to seem like the the demons never stopped. There were always new ones, and there was the only way to do that was create uh, seven. I think there was twelve types of demons. They had twelve twelve different uh, varieties. And there were seven colors, so I would mix them up, mix the match, and there would be eight that led to eighty-four. And I never thought that anybody would get anybody would get further than eighty-four levels. Yeah, yeah I was convinced that after eighty-four levels, the game would stop, uh, and they, the demons would give up. And that was that proved to be wrong in about two days. Yeah, do you want to tell our listeners what happened? Because it's crazy, isn't it? <laughs> well, yeah, we got a letter from someone that said 
well, we got to call this and my kid, you know, the game's over. What happens? Well, why is the game over? The game just stopped. And I said, whoops. And then we got more and more calls. And I said, oh, I, I just added this code to stop the game at 84 levels. And I took the code out. It, was, it took me about one minute uh, to take that little code out. And, it, and so they was, there's two versions of Demon Attack. There's the, the one that's the version that stops and the version that keeps going. Do you, do you own both copies yourself? Do I? I don't know. No, I don't think I do. Right. Well, like, I don't know. Which version do you prefer? Were you kind of forced to change it or do you, were you quite happy to change it? So I, I, I had the, 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 the silly idea that after 84 waves, the, the 84 levels, the demons should give up. And the way they give up mm. is to make the screen go black because they're demons and they're mad. And they're like, mm. little, babies. They're like little babies. It actually it took about two lines <laughs> of code. So I, it took two lines of code. It was basically all I had to work on because I was out of memory at that point. Yeah. Yeah. They, there was no. There's no sign that says we give up or anything like that, which would have taken more, more, more time, more, more space. Because really, we had we had no code. I the game ended up being 5k of code, 5,000 bytes, and I had 4,000 to work with. So I had to throw out 20% of the game and compress it down. So yeah, some features went went out. I think we lost a lot of. I had some much better sound effects, and I had some. Uh, yeah, I've got cooler screens between levels. You know, there was like there was like a little flag that would come up that would show you, you know, you got you got further or whatever. But you know, you, as you crunch your game down into into memory, you just have to lose certain things. It's like editing a movie. You know, you can't you gotta fit it yeah. into two hours. You know, and so some things get cut out. Crazy. And so you the, the second version of Demon Attack can never be completed. Is that fair? It just goes well, on and on. Well, the the second version, the one that that stayed out there was. It never ended, but it yeah. never got harder. It never got harder than the eighty fourth wave. Right. Yeah. 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 It never gets harder than that because they would have to play way harder than I could play. Yeah. 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 I mean, did you? Yeah. Be, did you ever complete it personally then, or? Did I what? Did Did you ever complete the game uh, after eighty four oh, waves? Oh no, no, no. I've never, I've never played it past eighty four levels. Right, that's yeah. why I, I thought didn't think anyone could ever do that. Yeah. But we didn't have very sophisticated testing at the time. So, I mean, had we, had we brought in a couple of kids for a couple of days, we would have figured it out right away. All right, good stuff. No, really good. And after Demon Attack, what, what else did you work on at Imagic? Are you happy to share other games? Yeah, yeah. so after Demon Attack, I did uh, Cosmic Arc, which was a game that it was the big deal that it was an original game. In other words, there was no other game I was copying. Because at that point, I had done four, four games and I basically had copied everyone. I had never invented a new game. And so Cosmic Art was the first time I actually said, I'm going to make up a game. And, and it was going to be, it was two screens. It was two different games. It was, do you know Cosmic Art? I haven't played it personally. I'll have to admit. Oh, right. Well, there's two screens. There's, there's the A and the B screen. You play A and B and A and B. And no games had really done that yet mm. at that time. So, so it was two different, two games in one. Uh, and it, yeah, it worked out well. It was, uh, it was, it was, it was a nicer game. It had a nicer theme. There was, there was no killing involved. There was nothing. There was. There, it was a space game because everything looks better on the VCS on a black screen. That's why you have so many space games, right? Yeah. Uh, but it was it involved going to planets and, and rescuing two of each animal. That was the that was the game. You had to go to one one planet after another, and on each planet there were two two of each character, and you were like there was like Noah's Ark in space. And it had a little bit of a story, and, and it wasn't quite so. It was more of a gentle game. Yeah, that sounds nice. It sounds and um, 
In Magic, they 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 suffered, didn't they? Is that fair after the the crash in the US, the well, video game crash? Video game business suffered. Yeah. We suffered along with it, but yeah, we were about to go public, and then Atari, you know, Atari said, "Hey, we had a bad year, and we're and Atari, uh, Magic's about to go public, so let's let's announce early to the to the world that we had a bad year." And the only reason they they did that because companies don't do that; they wait until they're earnings report but they atari said no we're going to go early we're going to tell people early that we had a bad year basically so they could trash our public public offerings oh, yeah you think so wow really yeah you can't go public if ever if, if the if the industry is crashing right no no it would look foolish wouldn't it it wouldn't be yeah no atari i, I have to i don't know if you agree rob but atari are a, a really strange company in my eyes they um I, I, I'm a massive Atari Jaguar fan, and I know that was uh, definitely a controversial console in itself. But I just, it's, it's a shame, isn't it? Because I personally think if Atari was run better, they could be still a huge player today. I mean, what do you think? Do you think Atari are always going to crash and burn? Well, or? well, I mean, you know, if, if the cable industry would run better, there would be no Netflix, right? I mean, it's, it's, it's the way American, it's the way business works, is they cannibalize each other, right? There is, it was it was the first entertainment digital entertainment company, and it was like it should have been a huge brand. I mean, there's no reason why Atari should not be the dominant. It should, it should have been Nintendo, right, or Sega. Yeah. And what happened? So really, what happened is the executives were too busy partying, and they had no idea what their business was. They had no idea what the sales should be. They had no idea how to grow the category or look at it with any long term vision at all. And you know, so they said, "Oh, games are dead now." They weren't dead. Basically, people were making too many VCS games, mm. and, and they, they ran their business into the ground. And obviously, Nintendo didn't come about till 1983. You know, a year after Atari, Atari went down. And clearly, clearly, they proved Nintendo proved that there was no the video game business wasn't dead mm. by any means. But Atari, they, they they just didn't understand what business they were in. Yeah, yeah you know, I get it. And they were, they were probably the most biggest bungled American franchise in history. And they were really a bungled franchise. They were a huge name. Everyone knew them. Mm. Everyone knew what they stood for. Yeah, they were they were the the brand name behind video games. Yeah. Yeah. And where where did they go? Who can they blame? Nobody. Because Nintendo and Sega came up right behind them and they just dominated the whole business and Atari went away. Do you personally feel Sorry for Atari, or not really, because... Like, sorry for them? Yeah, because, yeah. I mean, uh, no, they were just foolish. Yeah, well, yeah. I don't feel sorry for... I mean, it's just kind of... The business is kind of brutal. And if you if you, if you mess up, you know, someone behind you will just eat your lunch. So I don't feel, what do I feel sorry for. I mean, they just... They didn't understand their business. Yeah, I just, they, like you said, they built up a, a really strong brand and they just kind of wasted it, it seems. It's, it's a shame in a way, isn't it? But I suppose that is business, you know? Yeah, it happens. I mean, yeah. 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 Um, so at the time, when with Magic, you know, also suffering, what, what, what were you thinking at the time? Were you worried about your job or what happened? Uh, have- so now I'm 25. Uh, you know, I I didn't really understand what it meant to have the video, to have the video game business go down. You know, I went out and did my own games for a while, and and I uh, kind of stumbled around. I did a couple projects for Parker Brothers and people that knew me now because my name has been on my games. Uh, 
And I, I finally found my way to uh, a company called Quantum Link, which was Quantum, which had a system called Quantum Link. Uh, and they became America Online, which you, you, you probably remember. Yeah, outside. Yeah, yeah. yeah, so I made, I made early games for Quantum Link. I made the first games for, for the Quantum Systems, which were online games. I made a casino called Robert Jack's Casino. Yeah. And it was it was it was a video game, but it was also a, a casino. And I had always played games like poker and and I like casino games. And so I made this for the for AOL, and it was and it, that was my next. And at that point, I was uh, convinced that online games were the future of gaming. That mm-hmm. was about twenty. I was about twenty years too early. Yeah, I mean it's incredible how ahead of the curve you were in a way. Yeah, well, I, 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 I've yet to be too late. You know, that's what I say. I've yet to be too late. Yeah. And yeah, I'm a little. I've been a little bit early, or at that point I was. Uh, but AOL, it, it turned into some stuff. But then, then I got involved in interactive video. I was, I just kind of bumbled into different. I was stumbling around to different technologies, and people knew who I was. So I could get lots of I got lots of opportunities, but I was always on new platforms. I got mm-hmm. you know one of the first CDI contracts to do games for the compact disc player. A Philips, you you know you know CDI was yeah, yeah oh yes oh yes infamous yeah right yeah so, so I did all those CDI you know I, I would get involved in, in new in new technologies and then I, I got involved in one for Hasbro where we're going to make interactive movies. Oh yeah, night. Well, look. Before I get to your work on Night Trap, are you happy to talk briefly about Cubicolor? I don't know much about this story, but oh yeah, well, Cubicolor was something I did. I actually I did it at a Magic, but I finished it when I was on my own after I left a Magic. Yeah. Cubicolor was just another VCS game that was never really. It was kind of a different kind of game. It was a two-player game. It wasn't going to sell very well, so it's hard. Magic wasn't interested in it. I left. I left a Magic, and I had three quarters of it done and so i just released it myself yeah i've got here only a hundred copies were made really is that true do you think yeah, well uh, magic made a hundred copies of the of the rom you know and the, yeah. they, they, and the game was 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 complete at that point was it yeah and so i, I sold these hundred copies in about 10 10 10 minutes <laughs> and, I just, and i just forgot about it and that was wow. there was no collector market at the time I assume they're quite well. Obviously, they're rare, but I, I assume they go for quite a bit of money today. Is that true? Or? Yeah, they're about two thousand dollars. That thing is ridiculous, but yeah, there's two thousand dollars. Uh, I hope you own a few copies yourself. <laughs> Do I own a few copies? Yeah. I, I have a couple copies. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I, I think it's kind of funny that it became a collectible. It was, yeah. it, was, it was my worst VCS game. So in the collectible market, the worse your game, the more it sells, the more it's valuable <laughs> as a collectible. Obviously. Yeah. Yes, yeah. I'm not ask. I just like hearing that little story. But yeah, wow. There you go. Um, are you happy now to talk about Night Trap, uh, Rob? Is that kind of the, where we are in your sort of career? Is that is yeah, pretty of- much. Yeah, for, I did some interactive advertising work, but Night Trap was the next big thing. It was for for, for uh, Nolan's company, uh, Axlon. He had a contract with Hasbro, and then that, then Tom Zito took took that project. It was called Nemo, the Nemo cut. Con- it was it was a piece of hardware where you could run an interactive videotape. Yeah. You could make it you could make four 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 video streams on a tape. And that was uh so we could do we could do interactive movies. That was and we had no idea how to make an interactive movie. No one did. But I was very happy to work on it with a guy named Jim Riley, who was the director. Yeah. And we had yeah, we made these uh movies that were that you could branch and you know, they were movies that you could play. 
I mean, yeah, again, ahead of, ahead of its time in a way, isn't it? it was, FMV games were um, quite amazing at the time, weren't they? The, the technology yeah, we involved. They were amazing. We thought they were a big deal, but they ultimately turned out to not be such a big deal. Yeah. Because they're not real games. They're, they're movies that are interactive. Yeah. They're, and, they're, and you can play them four or five times, and that was it. I, yeah, I, I agree with you, but I, I guess at the time it was still quite incredible that you could put, you know, movies within a game oh, in yeah. itself. People, which was, people, yeah. people thought it was great that you could. They were amazed that you could, that you could make, click a button and change the movie. Yeah, I mean, so did you come up with the idea of Night Trap, the kind of the horror theme, or was that someone else's idea? Well, we came up with a game called Scene of the Crime. It's a demo. It was the. It was basically we came up with the idea of that instead of instead of changing the story. What was cooler was that was that the interface to the game was actually part of the story. So you, mm-hmm. we create a, a world where you could move around from room to room to room and change and change what's happening in that room. And that was a different way of looking at interactive fiction. You know, yeah, you, weren't, yeah. you weren't allowed to just click A and you know, click A or B to go left or right, but you could move the camera, and that made you part of the story. Yeah. And so, so with the games that we we like to do interactive stories where the interface is actually part of the story. And so, yeah, that was our idea. But then we we made the scene of the crime, and it was clear that we wanted to make something for younger, you know, for young boys. And so we made a horror movie. Yeah, you know, we oh, did, so cool. made a vampire movie out of it. And that um, was, what? Yeah, I was going to say, was, was there any big influences on Night Trap, like you know, horror films at the time or anything like sure. that? Or? Dra- Dracula. I mean, just you know, it was it was hardly our idea. You take a bunch of cute girls and get monsters and chase them around. <laughs> uh, that's kind of an old story, so that was hardly brand new. So good. I mean, were you involved in the filming of the actual actors, and how was that? I mean, obviously, it's very different to your previous games. Could you explain right. a little so, bit of the process? So when you make an interactive movie, you can't play it. You can't play the play the game until you've made the movie. Yeah. Right. So it's not like you can just add a level. You, you can, I couldn't. You can't just add stuff to the game later, and that was very different. So we had to learn how to how to how do you how do you make a game like that? Because every game has to be played before you know what you got. And with with an interactive movie, you can't do that. You're not allowed to change anything. You know, the, you got you got the the movie is the graphics that make the game. So there was no after the fact editing. So we had to like do storyboards up front and simulate it all. So I was involved in a way, I would go down to the set, and Jim Riley was the director. He was my friend. He was my next-door neighbor, actually. Nice. Uh, so, and so he was my buddy, and we would work on the script. I, I worked a lot on the script, but not so much on the actual filming, because that, that was way beyond my level. Of, you know, to, to me, the movie was just a graphics, which, is a, which isn't a fair way to look at it. But in my mind as a programmer or as a technical person, all they were doing when they were making the movie was making the graphics for my game. Yeah, uh, which is like, it was a lot more than that. It was actually the story, but no, I, I didn't work out. I, I had nothing to really contribute to the filming other than, you know, helping them realize that that it was all about editing, and they had to, it was all post production that made that thing work. Sure, yeah, yeah. I mean, were you ever tempted to go have a cameo in, in the game or, or not? No, 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 I was not. I was not doing have a cameo in the game. Yeah, fair enough. Um, Night Trap is a clever, it's a clever game. It's original. It eventually went on the Sega CD. Was it always supposed to go on the Sega CD? No, no, it's supposed to go on the hardware that it was that it was designed for, which was uh, this interactive videotape streaming device. Yeah, that's that's what Night Trap was built to do. 
it, there was there were four tracks of videotape, and you could bounce around between either track, but you could never go backwards. So the game just had to run in real time. You know, it starts. It goes from the beginning to the end. Yeah. Uh, it was only later when Hasbro killed it because Hasbro couldn't afford to bring out the hardware. It was it was going to be too expensive. So Hasbro killed it. And when these companies kill something, they don't want it to come out later and and, and be proven that they were wrong. Not to bring oh, out. Yeah, so yeah. They didn't really care about it. It was just like a piece of you know, it was like a used Kleenex at that point. But the Tom, <laughs> Tom, the uh, the president of Axlon. He he gathered some resources and he bought the he bought he bought the footage. He bought the actual night trap stuff back. Mm. He bought uh, Sewer Shark was the other one we made. Yes. And, and he yes. brought that out late. He brought that out later on the Sega CD. And I, I was not involved at that point. At that point, I was in my own company. Oh. Uh, I had raised money, and that was not my that wasn't me that brought it that that reintroduced it or that introduced it to the oh. first time for the world. That yeah, doesn't yeah. with that. I mean, Tom was nice enough to keep my name on it, but it wasn't, uh, it wasn't my, uh, wasn't my, I was not involved in the company at all. Uh, you're still happy to see it released, I, I take yeah, it. Yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. Sure. And, and when it was released, um, it, it gained a reputation uh, as a very controversial title, a bit like Mortal Kombat. Um, it got a lot of media attention, and it was well, very... Yeah, there had never been a game that showed, you know, girls in, in, in nightgowns running around, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah well, that's true, yeah. I mean, you, you said you weren't working with the company at the time, or, you know, you moved on to other stuff by then, but you, you were upset, though, is that fair, by the treatment it got by the media? Yeah, of course. I mean, I'm, I'm a, someone called me and said, Rob, the game that you made, that they have Captain Kangaroo on TV talking about it, and Captain Kangaroo was like a childhood, you know, a worship Captain Kangaroo. He was like just... <laughs> Kids made kids shows, and when he came on TV and talked about how bad Night Trap was, I was really pissed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was, I was not happy, and I, you know, got all my family saw this game Rob made is in the Senate for being too violent, and I, it was embarrassing. Even though I wasn't involved in the company, it was still embarrassing. Why was it treated? Why the, at, the, at the time in the US there was and, and around the world in a lot of other countries there was a little bit of attention on video games and how it affects children. Do you, do you, do you think it was harsh, or do you actually kind of agree with the media? I I went to the Senate hearing when it was being, you know, when it was being dunked, and these guys had never even played it. They had never seen yeah. it. They were just—it's very easy to be a politician, and they say, and someone says, "Here's a here's a cause you can get behind, and no one can no one can make you wrong. So no one's gonna no one's gonna fight you if you say this game is violent and not good for children. No one's gonna." Go up against you and say, "Oh, yes, it is," right? Mm. So, so it's a very easy platform for politicians to lobby around. And yeah, they they they, had, they brought up all, all these do-gooders, you know, who were saying, "Oh, this is bad." And and so I, for I spent a couple of years going around to conferences and talking about violence in video games. Yeah, it was it was punished. I mean, the, the game is absolutely not doesn't make you do anything bad. You, the game is to save these seven girls. That's the object. Yeah. Yeah, I thought Mortal Kombat was much, much more violent than, you know, we have to, you know, you kill someone, you have to eat their heart. You know, that was Mortal Kombat. Um, yeah. but, but it was live action and it was, and it was, it gave, it gave them a reason to put, to, to force ratings on video games, which is a good, which is a good thing. Yeah. That, that's what came out of it. But for me, I got no money out of it. It was years after, it was a game I made years ago. And it was just embarrassing. 
I get it. Um, I've actually spoken to John Tobias, who, who co-created Mortal Kombat, and uh, Michael Lathan, who made Eternal Champions, uh, who, who sadly passed away recently. But he, he, they both spoke about this topic, and uh, I think even Joe, is it Joe Lieberman? Yeah. He, he was basically a character in a future Eternal Champions game, I believe. But my, my point is, they, they, they kind of agree with you. It was, it was kind of embarrassing, but they also saw it, I don't put you know, words in the mouth, but they also did see it a little bit as a way of... Um, marketing it got their, their game out there which oh, you yeah, kind yeah. of agree for tommy he sold a lot of copies of night trap because of it mm. yeah yeah it was it was uh it was an experience and and i didn't believe after after it i didn't believe in interactive movies anymore i didn't think that it, it was ever going to be any kind of and, and it, it wasn't going to be a format that caught on because it, was it, it didn't really did it let's be honest it it was a flash in the pan. I mean, I respect them. It was an interesting part of history, but you're right. They never really... Well, Netflix uh, is trying. Netflix has done a couple. They did the Abandon Snatch. Have you, have you played that yourself, oh, Rob? Yeah. That, it looked like a bad interactive movie. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it, what do you... Did you enjoy Abandon Snatch then? Did no. You? No, I thought no. So, um, Because I'm close to the topic. But yeah, it was like, do you want him to drink a Coca-Cola or a Diet Pepsi? I mean, it was stupid. And that, that part was stupid. Your, your choices have nothing to do with the plot. Yeah. Yeah, no, okay. Fair, no, that, fair enough. Um, I mean, what was, yeah, no, appreciate your honesty. Um, what happened after Night Trap? And you said, you, you know, you've left that a few years behind. It got released. But at the time, but, you know, were you... Well, you started... I had my own company called PF Magic. Yeah. And we were floundering around. And I decided it was because of Night Trap that, okay, I'm going to make the most... I'm, my next game is going to be the cutest game that anybody has ever seen. It's going to be sickeningly cute. Yeah. And that was when we made the digital puppy dog called Dogs. Yeah, with that at the end, yeah. And, and, and going, crazy. Back, going back to being angry, angry as a source of inspiration, I, I was really annoyed at Night Trap uh, and publicity around it. And so we made this cute puppy dog that Captain Kangaroo could never criticize. That was, the, uh, that was my complete goal. And so we made this cute puppy dog, and it became our biggest hit ever. Dogs was huge. I remember playing that um, just on my uncle's computer, and I never seen anything like it. It was, it wasn't, yeah, it was an amazing thing. How did you? I know you got the idea, the complete opposite, but how did you come across the idea of making these cute kind of pets that were running around your screen? Well, well, the idea was asking ourselves, myself, what's the cutest game I could possibly make? That was really it. I didn't want any more controversy. I wanted to make, I wanted to prove that I'm not gonna, I'm not a guy that makes games that are evil for children, so yep. that that was where we got the idea, and we went down to uh, it was Christmas time. We went down to the shopping mall, and you ask Santa Claus, the guy who's Santa Claus, what's the most popular game for little boys and girls, and he said, every year people want a puppy dog. Every oh. year, every year, and so it's, and Santa Claus is the guy who knows. I mean, this the guy who plays Santa Claus. He knows what kids want. Wow, you actually did do that. You actually went to... We went, uh, down, we went down to Macy's. Yeah, went to Macy's, wow. talked to the guy who's Santa Claus, and he said, every year it's always a puppy dog. Wow. And so, so we just said, let's make a puppy dog. <laughs> I mean, your game inspired uh, Nintendogs. I'm sure you were aware of Nintendogs yeah, yeah, and stuff sure. like that. And, sure. Um, what, but dogs... Dogs is a strange game, isn't it? Because you can feed the pet and so forth. But if correct me if I'm wrong, they just walk around your screen and... Well, you, there is... you, can't, you can't win. Because yeah, there's no way to win. You can't be bad at it. Yeah. And all they do is their their basic thing is uh, the the thing with dogs is 
they're not your dog. You are their person. You know, they live for you. Mm-hmm. We, you matter a lot. You have to feed them and they love to have you pet them. And they love it when you throw the ball. And they just, they just want to please you. You're, you're their little person. And that was what, that's what all the dogs do. They just, and you have to feed them and you care about them. And it's just, you know, care where. Did you have a personal favorite dog? I think you could, you could select different breeds. Is that right? Is that right? Yeah, I think, I think I called it Scrappy. Yeah, that was my, that was my first, that was the, the one that I liked. That was the, the main one you get when you, when you got dog, the first dog, so you get Scrappy. Yeah. I think there's five different kinds. But then later we got cats and we had weasels and, you know, did a bunch of different things and Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's great. It's, it's, an inc- it's an incredible game, and it's still got a bit of a legacy today, isn't it? So it was a big seller, like you said. Yeah, they, they still, people still, sometimes I get a letter. I, I do, I get a letter from someone who said, I got a new computer finally after 20 years, and how do I move dogs to, a, to, a, to you know, to Windows 10? And you can't. Sorry, you know, we're out of business, you know. You can't move dogs to Windows 10. You got you got to let it go, you know. Well, I <laughs> Would you be tempted to make a new dogs or cats or? Well, they well they have. I mean, there 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 have been so many pet, digital pets now. Yeah, yeah, I get it. I get it. Yeah. We sold uh, it. We sold it to. Uh, um, no, they sold it to uh, Ubisoft. I well, I, I I'm going to jump ahead because I've got a few. Um, sorry, sorry, it's interrupt, Rob. I've got a few um, social media questions, and one of our people on our page, Tony Van. I don't know if you've, it's Sega. We have a Sega legend. He, he he actually said uh, he was part of the team who reinvested in his pets franchise at Ubisoft in 2006. Yeah, so we sold it to Ubisoft, and then they yeah. took it somewhere. They, they took it. They made many dogs products. I know that. And they they called me for a little while. I did some consulting for them years ago. Yeah. Good on you. Yeah, no, good old Antonio. Yeah, it just I, I'll, I'll read out this question later. If that's all right. I've got a few sort of last minute yeah. questions. Um, what title overall that in your career are you most proud of though and why? What title? What game? What, what game? What game are you most proud of? Oh, it's dogs. Oh, honestly, okay. Well, because it, it it appealed to so many people across so many genres all over the world, and it wasn't just you know it was this original thing that's actually the most unoriginal thing you can ever think of, you know, and it and it just really hit a chord and it, and it became its own it became its own like mini industry, you know, digital mm. pet, virtual pets. So I'm really proud of dogs. Was it your bestseller out of all your games, did you say? Sure, yeah. I mean, it's where I, it's where I got, that's what, why we sold our company. Yeah. Dogs. Yeah, by far made me the most financial success. I've got to ask, do you, do you have any dogs yourself? <laughs> uh, well, we're, we're talking about, I have a seven-year-old daughter. We're, think, we're thinking of getting one, but, you know, right, yeah. Walk, yeah, I don't want to walk it, you know. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, I, yeah, people. I, I don't know. Dogs is a strange, a strange game. It's, it's just so original. I think it, it just. Uh, yeah. It's not a game. It's a dog. I mean, it, yeah. it really, it literally, is not a game. It's just basically you have you have to feed it. So, you know, it's just you, it's just like a dog. We just model the dog. You know, there's no mm-hmm. game you play with the dog. You throw you throw a ball and it goes gets it. It grows, you know, and it changes and you can make little ones and uh, yeah. There's no real gameplay, right? Yeah, no, that's fair enough. Yeah, no. Um, did you, you mention an earlier game? But was there any other games that you started to work on? Any uh, any oh, other yeah. titles? About, about about I would say approximately a third of my game, a third of my work has never been released. Yeah, I mean, just you know, I've worked on ten different platforms, and the problem with this industry is you can like I can't have my daughter who's seven play any of my games. I mean, it's really it's very difficult for her. 
it's not like a, it's not like you, you, I was a filmmaker and you can just show your thing on YouTube. Yeah. Uh, you, know, you, you need hardware. You, you need a platform. That platform is gone out of date. Like all my VC, all my stuff for the CDI platform is gone. You know, yeah. Who has a CD, working CDI player anymore? You know, there's a retro business, so the, the old stuff is coming back. But yeah, these games are gone forever. I mean, even now, you look at online games like, I don't know how old, yeah, you remember Farmville? Yes, yes. It, it, the Farmville that you grew up with is gone. Yeah. And, you can, that, and it can never be played again, ever. There'll never be any way. It's sad, can, really, isn't it? It's very sad. And, and these three, these, these online games like, you know, Worlds of Warcraft and that kind of stuff or Fortnite. Ten years from now, these kids, there's, there's not going to be a Fortnite. There's not going to be a, a revival of Fortnite because no one's going to host it anymore. Yeah. And so these games, there's no other genre that where the stuff is gone forever. You know, it's not like you can go back and replay it. Mm. Yeah. Well, Rob, can I ask, is there any, which unreleased game that you worked on that was never, you know, not, not released, do you think would have been the most successful? Is there one you thought... Oh, well, I just well, wish... Actually, I think they were all killed for a good reason. Okay, no fair you know, I mean, I, I did I did spend many years on a game uh, called Flix, and that was it was half pinball machine and half old movie. It was a, it was like you play an old movie as a, we take an old movie and we make it into a pinball machine, wow. and we call it Flix, which was which is a name for flicking a pal flicking a, uh, a bumper and also flipping. It's a it's a it's a uh, you know, slang for a movie, a flick. And I, and I thought I thought flicks was great, but, yeah. but we never really figured out exactly how to make it. And I spent years on that concept. It was a very easy concept to sell. You give me a movie, I'll make you a pinball machine out of it. Uh, but it never, we never figured it exactly out. And I, I spent probably spent three or four years on it. Uh, on what platform would that have been? Would that would have been on CDI, and but by the time we finished it, it would have been on the PC. Would have yeah. been. A, the early PC CD-ROM game. Oh, sounds pretty original, to be fair. No, I like yeah, that sound. It was, it was pretty clever. Uh, but that Flix was a major, yeah, left turn. Yeah, it does, but does yeah, sound it. But I had I had a game on the VCS I never made. I had a game on CDI I never made. I had an, another game. I had a digital pet we never made. We had, we had a pig. We never wanted to release it. We never wanted to release it. But I, I thought pigs were great. Pigs yeah, were, yeah. Pigs were... Something that little boys love pigs because they're kind of messy, and little girls love pigs because they're cute. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Right, but that but pigs didn't come out because there's nothing. But there's no way to play with the pig. Like there's no the problem with pigs is what do you do with your pig? <laughs> you know, there's no. Way. <laughs> yeah, yeah, true. Um, how about your favorite top three games of all time that you know that you like playing? Have you got a top three? Well. I'm gonna I'm gonna name things that aren't video games. Okay, yeah, yeah, go for it. I like playing chess. I like playing poker, and I like playing backgammon. But uh, with video games, I will say, I loved. Uh, uh, well, I loved Cubert. Yep. Uh, and then I loved uh, uh, Red Dead Redemption. Oh I thought, yes. I thought Red Dead Redemption was by far the best interactive entertainment experience I've had in my life. Well, part two, the, the latest one. Yeah, 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 number two. Red, yeah, Red yeah. Dead 2. Red Dead 2 is, to me, was astonishing. That, I mean, it was a lot of money and they get, and they were very clever and they figured out how to how to do a real interactive story. And it really yeah. felt like, you, I, really, I really felt like I was in the world, you know, 
And when I got hurt, I really felt hurt. And when I was tired, I was tired. I was hungry. I was hungry. And, you know, my, the characters were good. And I just thought, boy, that's the future. But it cost like, what, $200 million? Crazy, man. Yeah. But Red Dead Redemption is my all-time favorite. In terms wow. of me. And it's a very recent game. That's good to yeah. know. Right. I don't play a lot of the new games, but they're too hard for me. Yeah. But you put your time into that one. Yeah. I, I, I got the book and I you know, went through the book and you know, learned all the cheats and all that. Good stuff. Good stuff. Um, what what are you up to these days, Rob? If you don't mind me asking, have you are you, you working any video games, any projects? Well, just, the just only take... game thing I'm working. Well, I mean, I'm, I'm I'm raising my daughter, but but uh, a very worthy thing to do. But yeah, I'm doing a I'm I'm working on a, in a startup. It's, we're just starting, you know. Uh, I'm not really announcing anything. Uh, but with with NFTs, you know, what NFTs are. Yes, 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 yes. yes. I believe there's going to be some cool NFT products with with the idea that I can sell you something and and it's unique, and you can you know so you can imagine a game where you have unique items that you that you that you yeah. use that yeah. are not you know that people can buy and sell to each other. So that is that is uh, the, the the genre of the of mm. where I'm doing some work. I I believe it's kind of a new area. Yeah, you know, of course I, it's right yeah. I mean, I like new games and I, I like using technology to make new kinds of games. Uh, and a lot of the game business now is, you know, all you can afford to do is make the game that was popular last year. Yeah, I, I hear what you're saying, yeah. yeah. That, that's what you can afford. You can't afford to take a lot of risk because they spend so much money on these games now. You can spend $100 million. You better be sure people like it. And the way to make sure people like it is to make the same game that they liked last year. You know, which which is not brilliant for creativity. Yeah, but if you're spending hundred million dollars of your own money, that's the that's where you want to spend it. I get it. No, I, I agree. No, I do agree with that. Yeah, from a business point of view, especially. Um, would you be happy, Rob, to answer a few quick fire social media questions that people have kindly sure. put in? Sure. So yeah, I've got one here from Deadworth Bean, and he asks, "What does he think of gaming in 2021, having started?" career during the industry's childhood does he still play games today well i as i said i do and i i listen to the games that i play but i play a lot of non-electronic games i mean i, I love the game of poker i love the game of chess those are those are brilliant games as far as i'm concerned yeah. they're just they're infinitely replayable and they're always exciting yeah no you kind of answered the question earlier to be fair but yeah and obviously you, you have but, played recent games before, the, game, yeah. the game business i believe is a in a real creative slump because it costs too much money and because too much money to make a game and because they they only put a platform out for four or five years. And in that period of time, you can't do too many products on it until you're until they put on the next platform. Mm -hmm. Right. So so you can't get that much. We got really good at the VCS because it, it was around for seven product cycles. There were seven. You know, I can make five games on the VCS. No one makes five games on the uh, PlayStation 3. No, that's true. Right, so by the time you're learning how to do it, you're on to the next platform. Then you have to learn a new, learn a whole new platform. So it's that's why there's so much little innovation. It's, you know, can't do it. Right, a good answer. Uh, okay, I've got another question here from Keith Wagner, and he wants to know: Are there any features he really wants to put in a game that got cut because the tech wasn't there, or there was a budget or schedule constraints? Well, yes, <laughs> in every game. I mean, of course. <laughs> of course. I mean, you're constrained by time and money. And uh, yes, there are many features in every game. Every game ends 
And all I do is I make a mental note of 2.0 version. And 2.0 version is always a long list. Yeah. Because you, you can't put it into your original game and you want to make it. So you just tell yourself you're going to make a sequel one day. But then that's, yeah. that's, that's too open up too open in the, of a question. Yes, every game developer has a long list after he finishes the game that he wanted to do. And many game developers, especially me, sometimes we hate it so much you can't even look at the original. I can't oh, even look at yeah. I can't even look at the game because I, I, there's so much stuff I wanted to do that wasn't there. Okay, no, I like the answer. And uh, Tony Van, uh, you kind of answered this, but he would he really wants to know about your Nemo Night Trap journey. Especially well, I, I, I kind of went over that. Yeah, yeah. No, so yeah, it doesn't answer that one, but yeah, just and Tony Van said obviously he he helped reinvented or reinvent the Pets franchise in Ubisoft. There you go. <laughs> um, Mike Reeves wants to know how how do you feel about maybe Zach uh, Galifianakis playing him if they ever made a film about all you know the, the early days of the video game industry? Who's that? He's um. Yeah, I pronounce this. It says Zach uh, Galifianakis. Yeah, basically, yeah. <laughs> Apparently, he's scheduled to play, maybe play you in a future film. I think looking at Atari, the rise and fall of Atari. What, what do you think about that? He's not scheduled. For, no, he's not. It's not. It's not really true, right? <laughs> I, I I think there's rumours that they're making a film oh, about Atari. I'm sure I'd be terribly insulted. I mean, I don't know why. <laughs> I guess, <laughs> I think of the guy as uh, as just like this, this like stupid slob. <laughs> I think you're describing the guy in the Hangover. Yeah, I think that's probably fair. Well, that's, that's, the, that's the only character I know of. I don't I don't know the guy, but but so I don't really. I, I'm not really a. I'm not. I only think if you want if you want the guy in the Hangover to play me, I would not be happy. No. <laughs> no <laughs> fair enough. If it was that character, no, I don't, I don't think of myself in that character. All right. Well, I think that's fair. Who who would you think? Would you have you got an actor in mind who you'd like to play or? No, I've never thought of that question. I've never <laughs> considered that question. It's not going to be, uh, you know, yeah. No, fair enough. Um, I've got another question here, say from Scott, saying, "Will he ever make a Demon Attack sequel?" And I have to say, a lot of people ask that. It came up well, quite a lot. A so, sequel to so, Demon so, Attack. So the, the code, the code is 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 out there. It's been debugged and it's been disassembled and commented. You know, the Demon Attack code is is totally available. I can download it from a million different places. You know, the commented code, uh, the assembly code, someone can go do that. I don't care. I yeah. mean, but am I going to do that? No, I already did it. <laughs> I mean, You're not I, tempted. I, mean, I, don't, I don't see any, I don't see any, the number of fans certainly doesn't make it worth it to me. In other words, how many fans of the game are there out there? You know, a couple thousand. Well, it's, well, good question. I mean, it, people, people love it still. To be fair, Rob, but I know, yeah. I know what you're saying. Well, that, that's fair. And there's no reason why you know people can't add more demons and just kind of take, take it and make make more stuff out of it. But I think I'm kind of, yeah, I kind of left that genre behind. I think Dave Crane just did a new DCS game. Oh, okay, stuff. I think he did. Yeah. Um, I've got another question here from Philip Meyer, and he he wants to know: Can you ask Rob to explain his scotch taped rubber band thing? you did with demon attack the graphics is that is that true uh, that term scotch tape rubber bands yeah that's that's really so many of our games our early games were what i call scotch tape together there was there, there was no no code review 
and he just it was just guerrilla code. He just tried to get it to work. Ah. You know, and so that was what, what that that came about. It was just that's what my company PFM stood for. PFM stands for pure friggin' magic, which is how I believed our early games worked. I and mean, we have no idea how they worked. Yeah. You know, they, there was no real design process, and there was it was it's just a miracle that they worked at all. So that's what when I say scotch tape and rubber band, I mean like like any contraption right. you make around your house, like some rubber band thing that you know. You make for your kids. So, you know, it's amazing that it even works. It's not a well-designed oiled machine. I get it. I know. I, I wasn't sure what that term meant, but that makes sense actually because you know there wasn't a lot of uh, memory, was there, to work on, and you, you did it. But, so. but even 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 a company like Yahoo, the, the, the system of Yahoo, which is kind of an older internet system now, that's Scotch tape and rubber banded together. It, it, Microsoft Word is Scotch tape and rubber banded together. It just kind of grew into, into what it is now. But there was no. There was never any design roadmap for Microsoft Word. It just kind of grew and morphed. And at this point, no one even knows how it worked. It's just got weird, <laughs> it's got weird features in it that were there from 20 rounds ago. And yeah. yeah, there's a lot of code ends up like that. Thanks for listening to today's podcast. We really hope you enjoyed it. You can tweet us at Arcade Attack UK. We're also on Facebook at facebook.com slash Arcade Attack UK. Check out our website at arcadeattack.co.uk for lots more retro gaming goodness and to delve into our archives. Our podcasts are also available on Spotify, Stitcher, Podbean, YouTube and Apple Podcasts. Please leave us a review and a rating, we'd really appreciate it. If you'd like to support Arcade Attack, please check out our Patreon page at patreon.com slash arcadeattack, which will give you access to exclusive podcasts, interviews and other bonus content. So... Until next time, take care and we'll speak to you soon.